Hi. Guten Tag. Привет. We are Carnel Burst from Kyiv, Ukraine, and you are listening to the Punks and Pops podcast. We're interrupting the start of the podcast because we want you to go listen to our band. We have a song out now that you can get on Bandcamp, and you can also stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's enough of me talking now. You are about to listen to with Sing. This track is called Three Loaded Guns. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go! fuck is this an actual episode of the punks and pubs podcast holy shit you lucky lot my name is liam bird and i am the host of this as i said the punks and pubs podcast how have you been hope you're well so it's been a while and let me talk about why i have been away 
So I've been having some health issues. It turns out I have a bum heart. I went for a checkup uh, with a doctor and he turned to me and asked me what is wrong with me. Now, when a doctor says that, you kind of freak out and go, well, you're the fucking doctor, mate. You, you tell me. So it turns out, well, actually, I'll tell you this first. So the normal resting heart rate should be between 60 to 100 beats per minute. So my heart will go as low as 30 and then as high as 150. Um, I don't know what the fuck is going on. No one knows what is going on. I've decided to diagnose myself with uh, freestyle jazz heart. Um, so, so yeah, so for the past two months, I've been having severe heart palpitations, feeling ill and dizzy, and then just having fear that I'm about to have a heart attack. So it's been a bit of a, a, a rough, a rough couple of months. Throw in my work life, I can only apologize for the delays in episode. We've all got shits going on. This is my shit going on. Uh, so please do bear with me. Uh, while I, I, I'm going through this, that doesn't mean the podcast stopping, it will carry on, but I have to say, you might have to wait a little bit longer for the next episode, as I'm flying off to Vietnam. Um, nothing to do with my heart condition, I'm not doing like Make-A-Wish or anything. Um, however, this summer I will be back to some kind of structure back in my life. You may have seen over the past couple of weeks on social media that if you are going to the now sold out 2000 Trees Festival, you can come and watch me live with a hangover, interview a yet-to-announce guest. Vague enough for you? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to the festival, just keep an eye out on the socials at Punks and Pubs, and you'll find information to see how you can come join me for a mid-morning warm breakfast beer. Right, let's crack on with this episode. <laughs> In this episode, I spoke to Mike Warren, bass player, singer, songwriter for the Toronto punk band Pew Pew Pew. I spoke to Mike just before his London show at the New Cross Inn. Enjoy. Mike to wherever you feel comfortable. Hello, 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 and hello. And if you want to tell me what you've eaten today. Today I ate a chicken sandwich at Chick Chick, which is right outside of this venue. And I ate some chips in the van because we didn't go where I wanted to go for breakfast. So I was protesting. So you, you've gone on a hunger strike. Is yes, I was on a hunger strike <laughs> this morning because I wanted to go to Greg's. Ah, Greg's. Why didn't the other guys want to go to Greg's? Um... The other guys are indifferent, and our driver wanted better coffee than Greg's, which I understand. But I don't want to go to Costa, and I don't want to go to Starbucks. I want to go to Greg's. Your driver's right. The coffee's shit. <laughs> but for a sausage roll, yeah, banging. Absolutely banging. 
We might as well start it off like this then. Uh, <laughs> the voice you can hear there is Mike from the Pew Pew Pews. Um, how, how are you? Are you well? Are you good? I, we've already just did yeah. this, but it's a I mean, we're on tour. It's our first kind of big tour since the pandemic. We did like lots of little summer runs uh, in the States and in Canada, but nothing as long as this. So it's it's a month and then I'm going on vacation at the end in Barcelona. So I'm going to be gone for like a month and a half. Yeah. And it's going okay so far. Have you been to Barcelona before? No. Uh, so, tips, Gaudi, go to those museums. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. I don't know how much of a sports fan you are. Go to the new Camp, Barcelona's home ground. It is astounding. It's 90,000 people watching football. Wow. So, if you've got vertigo, you're going to be high up because the cheap seats are well at the back and they can be quite expensive if you right. want to go down there. So still i would recommend get the cheap seats but it is a phenomenal atmosphere so they're, they're my two things gaudi and the football uh cool. so so yeah if you get an opportunity do that yeah i mean thanks for talking to me uh, i we were meant to do this at the flatliner show which i went to and i was really impressed with how many people turned up for a support act and that's no disrespect to you but in london it's renowned for being shit people not turning up early to support oh, the sport really? acts yeah <laughs> so uh, i mean how how have you found playing the uk as a as a touring band who tours over all over europe and america and north america i mean how how do you find a difference in the crowds i mean london's always been good for us because the first time we played we played here at new cross and Paul set us up a really great show and it sold out. And, you know, that's kind of been the situation in London that we've, we've always had a good time in London. Um, elsewhere can be hit and miss. Manchester's always been good. Leeds has always been good. You've been down to Bristol? Yeah, Bristol's okay. It's a little tougher. You've got Newcastle's. There's usually Newcastle, Leeds, Liverpool. Yeah, like I know we've, my geography sucks here. <laughs> like we, we have to get a driver. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's no point in learning because it, just doesn't matter you sleep wake yeah. up you're there yeah and like you bitch about your gregs and then yeah pretty yeah. much and for for like routing the tour it's like we can drive for five hours six hours without it being an issue because yeah. canada and america everything's six hours away so it's just like okay let's go people will travel more here so like i know a lot of people have been in the last week have been saying like they saw us at manchester punk fest you know, maybe maybe some people that saw us there didn't bother coming out to the next one or like, again, I don't know how close cities are, so yeah. it's tough for me to know. Like, if you play here, then it's like it's either this city or this city, but not both. So you said Manchester Punk Festival there, and it is coming into like festival season. How important have, have festivals become now for bands like yourself to, to accumulate that cash that's going to allow you to go and tour where you might be making a loss? Yeah, they're huge. I mean, that's the only reason we can come here is like one festival. Yeah. We'll basically pay for the flights and then we go, okay, so we can put a month around it. Like the first time we came to Europe, we did Booze Cruise in Hamburg and they asked us a few years in a row and we just kept saying no because, you know, there was no way to do it. And I guess, yeah, that year we, we did do it. We said like, if you'll pay for the flights, then we'll do it. Like we that's all we want like we just want to know that that part's okay and then we can figure out the rest so so with the logistics then i'm kind of interested with this then logistics of they'll pay for your flight and then is it let's talk to our friends and other bands who have done it do they know a driver do they know stops whereabouts 
we might be able to get a cheap bed for the night. Yeah, I mean, like back then we didn't really have too many friends that had done it before. Like Pup had done it and uh, like Direct Hit and Penske File. Um, I'm not sure who else, but we didn't have many friends that had done full proper Europe tours. And so, I mean, I, we got really lucky on the first tour. We had a place to stay every night. We had... You know, it's not like in the States when someone's like, hey, come stay at my house. Like, you guys can all stay at my house. And it's like, I mean, like, sleep on my kitchen floor. <laughs> like, it was Germany, so it's like they don't invite you over unless they have five beds. Yeah. And, like, they made dinner or something, which is amazing. Germany, I, feel, I feel like Germany does it right. I think in the UK, we've gone down the line of kind of like uh, America, whereas it is a floor sometimes. Like, yeah. It's still way better here, though. Yeah. Like, it's like half and half the tour is like we'll get you a travel lodge or nothing but in the states it's nothing in canada it's nothing so like i fucking love travel lodge yeah <laughs> i mean they've got good showers i'll judge any place on a shower if the shower is yeah. shit i don't care if it's the most poshest place if your shower's shit and like, they're so cheap like in canada it's 200 bucks a night for any hotel room pretty wow. much like anywhere yeah and here, we got five guys in a travel lodge for forty-two pounds. <laughs> I'm like, no questions. It's a asked. great deal. Um, so I think people uh, listening, tuning into this podcast, will think, okay, we're going to talk about beer, pizza, skateboard, and, and I, we are going to talk about that. So I don't want to disappoint them too much. But I'm interested to get to know you, kind of as a person growing up, and whereabouts your kind of love for punk came from, and. And I'm always interested with any musicians, whereabouts music, not just punk, but music itself kind of embedded into, to the, into your culture. So was music constantly being played in the house? Was it always on the radio? Was your parents or guardians musicians? Um, well, my grandfather is a really, or he was a really great piano player. My mom and dad, not really. Um, I think it just came from school. Like I had a friend that played guitar and I thought that was really cool. He was awesome. He played like Jimi Hendrix stuff and like was actually really good. And so that's what I wanted to do. And I'm quite far from that mark. <laughs> In fact, I play bass now. <laughs> Four strings is enough for you. That's yeah. Even that. <laughs> just like, the, just use the two. You could give me a three <laughs> max. But yeah, it's I like playing bass. And that's why I started was just it was cool. Like it just seemed like. Yeah, like, that was the coolest thing I could do. And it took so long to get a guitar out of my parents. Like, they just didn't think I was serious about it. Yeah. Did your granddad never push the piano on you, like, trying to teach you how to... to that would have not worked. No? No. Piano, like, I wish I could play the piano. I tried to play it now, and I wish that I would have learned. But, like, when I was a kid, I wouldn't do anything. Like, they, they, their deal was, we'll get you an acoustic guitar. And I was like, no. Because I want a Fender Strat like Jimi Hendrix. So, so I was pretty stubborn. <laughs> but was it, was it a case of, like, you don't want to learn piano because it didn't look cool? Or was you just a yeah. stubborn kid as in, my granddad wants me to do this, so fuck you, I'm not doing it. Yeah, that. I mean, I, I, my dad was a tennis player. I never played tennis. Like, I'm not, I just, I didn't, you know, I was never going to do it. Yeah. Is it just because of the hand-eye coordination? You're just like, fuck it, it's hot. I'm not doing that. Because um, obviously tennis is usually a summer sport. So. Yeah, I don't know. No, it was it was just, you know, 
you don't want to make your parents too happy. <laughs> <laughs> so what about music? Like, were your parents even into music? Like, did what? Can you remember anything there was like? Would they go to a gig or put no. a record? No, no, still no. They my my dad listens to the weirdest stuff. Like, he'll have a playlist that will have like. Michael Bublé's cover of the Spider-Man theme song is a big one yeah. for him. It's top Classic. song. Yeah. Um, the Groover from Vancouver, you guys call him, I found out. Uh, do we? Okay. That's what I heard. I, d- it's, I, I never heard that before either. But I used to work in a record shop, and every Christmas he would put out some Christmas cover shit. Yeah. And I can remember we had to play it all the time because it was just such a seller. Like, all the mums would come in and because they're buying records for their kids and they hear it and they go, oh, I'll get this. This is something for me. Hey, as, as long as he's making money and he's, he's doing all right, <laughs> you can diss him. <laughs> um, so, was music, music essentially then just your friends? Your friends yeah. incorporating it into you? Yeah, it was just us finding stuff. Like, I don't even remember how we found stuff because, like, I don't, I don't necessarily remember like finding my favorite bands on the internet. It was probably the compilation CDs, like the Punkaramas and Give Them the Boot. There was like one big side one dummy one. I forget what they're called. Yeah. Um, but that was probably the way. Was those compilation albums like a big part then of of like basically going through the song list and going, okay, these are the Epitaph bands. I, yeah. I know a bad religion. I want to know more of them. So I'm picking these out and then I'm going to the record shop. Or was yeah. it, I can't go to the record shop. I'm just, just going to keep with the compilation. Yeah. I mean, the compilations were always better because like also in, in Markham where I grew up, which is an hour outside of Toronto, only because of traffic. But um, <laughs> like there was no selection. Like if you wanted, if you wanted like, this song from the compilation you weren't able to get that album that that song was on but you could get a different one yeah and it'd be like 40 dollars or something so you'd learn to like that record (laughs) but yeah the compilations were big like that i remember like just going through them and like my friends would be like oh like i like no effects and it's like okay well then you have no effects and someone's like i like dropkick murphy's like okay you got them so i got the bouncing souls they were my band So when you brought these records home then, were, you, were your parents like, what the fuck is this? Why are you listening to this? Or were they quite like, oh, no, he's finding himself musically? Uh, yeah, I don't think I ever got any pushback from them on anything I did, really. I think in terms of music, like they, they, at some point they probably told me that I couldn't go to raves, uh, which I didn't necessarily <laughs> even think of going to. Uh, and I'm sure there was something like, you know, like Marilyn Manson or Limp Biscuit, where they were like, don't listen to that. I'm like, yeah, fine. Was that like a colorblind situation? Where yeah, probably. Like, Satan. And, probably, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, I don't really remember them ever having major issues. I know there was like, 
sometimes when I go to the mall and I'd see like a album that had swearing on the back, I would have to kind of sneak that by. But that was the only thing. The only, the only time I ever got anything like that from my mom was the dwarfs. Right. Because uh, obviously Blag loves a pair of tits. So everything is on there. With yeah. Like, um, I, I can't remember the name of the album, but the one whereabouts the dude's being crucified and, and there's women around him top topless. Yeah, I can remember, I remember my mum seeing that and going, <laughs> what the fuck is this? You are way too young to have this. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so were you a single child then? Or, or did no, you have, I have siblings? No, I a sister, a little sister, yeah. And, and was your sister into music? Were you handing down to your sister or was she kind of like, <laughs> I'm not listening to no, this? No, we, we both found our own things. I mean, that's why I know all the Spice Girls stuff and... I mean, No Doubt was hers. I never listened to No Doubt, but I, like I did, like I know every No Doubt song because of her. You like the Spice Girls, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay, <laughs> just, just making sure before we go down to uh, any Spice Girls related content <laughs> that I don't really have, but I'm just just in case anything comes into my mind, I need to make sure that we're on the uh, the, the same page. So, Bouncing Souls, Rancid. What was it about that sound that grabbed you then? Like, was it just the speed of it? Was it was it the, the, like the the energy? Yeah, I mean. I think for the Bouncing Souls, it's the character. I think they have the most character of any punk band. I think they're, like, funny but not too funny, and they're very genuine. And, uh, yeah, they've just always been my favorite band. With Rancid, it's like... Rancid just doesn't write bad songs. Like, even a shitty Rancid song is still a good song, and it sounds exactly like Rancid, and, you know, like... for, For having two vocalists and that back and forth like that was always something I thought was really cool what point did you start noticing the lyrics and not just the music because obviously as a lyrics lyricist you start picking up on things was it something that you like you would hear a band and go they're all right and then you listen to the lyrics and go actually that's enhanced it 10 times I don't know when that was it was probably when I was older though yeah um yeah like I truly didn't care when I was a kid it was all about melody and I don't even think I could write lyrics that weren't like, oh, I, it should be about girls, you know, until I was in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I've heard you speak about a lot about kind of writing what you know and, and not kind of pretending to know like girls, like you said, yeah. not writing about girls in, in your 20s. So so what were you writing about then? In, were you writing as a, in, in a younger age or were you even playing? Cause as like far when as, I just started? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was writing. I was like, that was what I really wanted to do was write songs. So I got a guitar because I thought I could write songs. And what age is this? Probably however old you are in grade eight. I don't know, maybe right. like 13. <laughs> sure, okay, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm interested to know like with lyricists, because it is poetry. What you're writing is poetry. Did you yeah. see it as that? Or did you just see it as... No, it was like you had to make words. That's how it started. Like you had to make words. Does this rhyme? Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. It goes Okay, in. good. That's good. <laughs> and like, I guess I had thoughts and I had like ideas of what the song would be about, but I didn't have like the the dedication to be like, does all this make sense? Or did I just fill out enough words to have two verses and a chorus and a bridge? And were you bouncing these off anyone? Who, no, who, no, just no, that internally. would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you deal with that then? Like, where, where did you get the courage to go, I've written this? Uh, I don't know, honestly. Like, it just always was something I felt like was going to happen. So, like, I had bands when I was a kid and we played shows and, you know, we were always fine, but... 
finding good people to play with in a small town is tough. So you're kind of just like, well, he is a drummer and he has a drum set. So that will be our guy. <laughs> he can bash. Yeah. Come on in. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't until I moved to Toronto and started like trying to be in a band again and hearing other bands that were, you know, actually good and like, oh, there's competition now. Like, I guess that's the thing. There was no competition before. Like, I was the only person in my high school that was in a band. It just wasn't what you did. You played hockey. That's what you did. So I was weird. But were you performative, though? Like, were you, like, a drama kid? Were you wanted to be, like, seen? Or was it... No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I can't do... I, I don't like overly dramatic stuff. I'm pretty quiet. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's still a confusing one. Like, I, I, I think I just always loved writing but just didn't know how to do it so you go to toronto and and you're discovering there are, there are writers there are these bands being someone who seems to be quite shy and not the person who's going to go up to someone and go hey my name's mike how are you yeah. doing how did you get yourself working into kind of getting to know people in the music scene working out oh actually i can talk to this person and they're not going to be a prick i, I can yeah. write with this person i mean how did that process work some of my closer friends will say that I'm the most extroverted introvert that they know. Um, I, I like to outsource that. Like, I, it, things that I admire in my friends is that they have qualities that I don't. And so I will try to, like, learn from them. But also, if it's like, oh, we need to talk to that person, they're an agent, I'll be like, hey, uh, I'm gonna gonna push you towards this guy, and you start talking, and then introduce me later. Yeah, that was my strategy yeah. always. It still is sometimes. It's easier now. <laughs> so I'm not originally from London. I'm from like a small, it was a smallish city called Nottingham, and Nottingham is is like if you're in, if you know people, you know people. So therefore, you can go to a show. Someone else will know somewhere else. When I moved to London, I found it quite intimidating coming to a big city. Whereabouts I know punk is taken way too seriously for my liking. So therefore there is this kind of guard, you need to get past these people if you want to be in with the scene. Was that the same with Toronto? Because I, I, I'm guessing Toronto's kind of, well, the London of, of Canada. So it's whereabouts music is, it is, it's whereabouts a lot of bands go to play and cut their teeth. Did you find that? Did you find it hard to make your way in? Yeah. Um, I mean, so in Toronto there's like, I guess back then there was two buildings where bands would practice. Uh, so if you weren't in one of those buildings, you were kind of disconnected from this whole scene. Uh, we were lucky enough to get a room in one of the buildings. And I would say that we were sort of the outcasts of the place. Um, we were always like outside throwing a football around and like hanging out. And, uh, you know, we were all friends before we started a band. We started the band because it was like, a fun reason to hang out and I was in a different band that was more serious per se uh, but much worse <laughs> um, and so you know it became obvious that like having fun was working and so we kind of just like kept to ourselves and like got shows and I'm not really sure how I think I think like the people that were booking the shows did like us mm. so that was good and then we kind of became friends with a band called the OBGMs who are awesome and Pup and a couple other ones and, and that was kind of our scene. It was like not like the punkest of the punk, 
but I don't know. I don't know what we were, but we, we were just all, you know, like nice people that were helping each other. <laughs> Saturday in the park. Get there when the sun comes up and then we sit and drink to it's dark. Saturday in the park. Get a Mickey rub. Dump it into a slushy and we get real sugar high and drunk. So the band started in 2010, is that right? Ish, yeah. Ish, let's say 2010, why not? Uh, and like in the early days, was it a case of, oh, actually, I found people that you said I I'm enjoy playing with. And yeah. I'm actually going to proper push this in, in a way that I probably hadn't any of my other bands before. Yeah, well, because we started and I was playing a drum machine and a synth and my friend Jordan was playing guitar and that's what we wanted to do. And then we just kept Sound picking like up. Sound like Testicles. You don't even remember that band at all. Oh, no, I don't. No, okay. They were a London band that did a bit of international stuff. <laughs> Never mind. Go on. So, yeah, and we just kind of kept collecting friends that wanted to play with us. And we're like, okay, well, I guess we can have a real drummer and a bass player and another guitar. And for, yeah, like I played keys in this band for a long time, which is not something I know how to do, as we covered. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would tape the buttons. I called them buttons down. <laughs> Like, if the song was in D, I would tape the D down, and then I only had to play the other notes that weren't D. And then when it ba went back to the root, just hands off. See, making it work, <laughs> making it work, love it. As a band then, you're discovering, okay, there's a sound here, there's, there's people who are wanting to watch us. This is great. At what point do you go, okay, let's start putting money into this. Let's start thinking about our nine to fives, like how we can factor this into touring. At what point does that happen? Um, I guess it was like record labels being interested. Because in Canada, you can, you can get grant money from record labels to make albums. So, uh, you know, once, once a couple labels were like, what do you think about this? I was like, oh, okay, we could, we could maybe do this. Mm. And uh, our friend Vince, who's over there, actually, he's doing merch for us tonight. He... Uh, he has a house that, like, the pup guys and we used to practice in. And he's friends with people at Royal Mountain Records. And so they ended up putting out our first album. And uh, that was kind of it when it was like, okay, so they're going to put out the record with grant money. And we're going to get a little bit of money for tour support. And, you know, it's really expensive to go to the States. But, you know, like, some people have our back on this. So we could make it work the first time. Um, you don't get like a ton of grant money, so it it kind of covers like the first the first trip, and then you're on your own. Yeah. So um, we did that, and it and it worked. Like there was people at the shows. Whatever they did to put the word out worked, and you know it wasn't everywhere. It was, but like New York was good, Chicago was good, Philly was good, DC, and then you know you kind of connect those dots with some smaller shows, and it starts making sense. So how important is it then for, for a band when they are just starting out to, to make that leap and, and not worry that people might not turn up? Uh, there's probably no other way. I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you can like look at your Spotify numbers and see where people are actually listening and have an idea. Like, we don't do that, mm. but that's what a, a smarter, younger band might do. You can avoid that, but you also miss a lot and you won't develop any 
any places, you yeah. know? Yeah, like if Chicago likes you, you can skip Detroit and just go home, or you can you can work harder and try to make something happen. So we always play when we can. And, and how difficult is it to make that balance between actually, I believe I can do this as a career, but also the reality of it's very hard to make this as a career, so therefore you need that nine to five. Because I've heard stories that you've been fired from from concentrating on your music yeah. and, and not not on the job that you're meant to be doing. How, how difficult is it to, to have that balance and, and, and go, no, I believe in this. Even if you, even if like people around you are telling you, no, like you, you need to think about your future. I think that's a huge problem is that all the people around me are very encouraging. And <laughs> I think I'm the only one that has those thoughts, <laughs> which, or at least I'm the only one that says them. Um, yeah, the job thing sucks. Like, it, it, I think I've had an easy ride at that too. Like, when we first started touring, I got a job as a bicycle mechanic with zero experience doing that because Nestor from Pup worked at a place that, you know, would let him go on tour and he recommended me. And so then when Pup was on tour all the time, I was in. And then when we were on tour all the time, like they just didn't have a mechanic anymore. And when we'd come back, they'd let us work. It was really weird. Like they were very nice people. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like, I guess I found people that were supportive. And after that, I started kind of working towards like jobs where I could work on the road. So I do a lot of writing and, and you know, uh, like web design stuff and things like that, where I can work on the road. And it's kind of nice because it keeps me from going too far off the rails, like just living in a van all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like actually have something to do most days. It sounds like you've come up with a, if, if, if touring musicians come up with like a bicycle repair shop, whereabouts you can just do uh, linking your tools together yeah. and then you've always got a job. Someone's yeah. always got a job. We, we all need to like work together better. <laughs> We definitely do, because it's possible to do this. And, like, the other guys are trying to figure out, too. Like, Emmett teaches music lessons. He's awesome at every instrument. And we're trying to figure out how he can do that on the road, because when he leaves for tour, he has to give up all his students. But it's, you know, that's hard, too, because, like, when do you ever have Wi-Fi that works? And, you know, it's, it's like that's part of the game now, if you're not making a ton of money, is figuring out how to not let it ruin your life also and come home to a bunch of debt I, I think it's a real thing that for me personally I don't think bands talk about enough is actually that that trying to live two lives at the same time because mm. I think a lot of aspiring bands don't understand that actually a lot of touring bands do also have another job yeah. and I think bands will come into it and go well I don't need another job I don't need another career I can just keep going because Bands like Less Than Jake can do it. And, and, and like, well, actually, no, they've got side hustles going on because they can't always be on the road, even mm -hmm. though they might see it. So I think it's good for, for people to hear, actually, you know what? It's a real struggle. It is a real struggle for bands, like anyone else in life. Yeah. Trying to find that work balance and, and your passion is difficult. I think something that people don't realize when they're in a band is that they are doing a job and they are kind of being an entrepreneur. And that, you know, if you also like making hot sauce or making beer or making T-shirts or something, then you can treat that the same as you treat your band and have a lot of fun building a business 
that doesn't necessarily seem like a business because you like it like the band is. Mm. And and that's something that I'm trying to work on too is like just realizing that I do, I am good at business in some way. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if, if you if you if you got get this band go, you've got had this band going for as long as it is. Mm-hmm. That's no coincidence. Like that that's that's because of good business sense and good planning. Yeah. Kind of going back to 2012 when you put out your debut album, well, EP, sorry, Red Ass, and then that gets traction in your full-length glory days. And you're, you're, you're seeing people start, like, increasing coming to your shows. At what point do you turn to the rest of the guys and go, okay, we've got this. We now need to make that step and find, a, a, a quotes, bigger label. So, like, Side One Dummy... I know you've put out work on like how how difficult is it to 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 navigate those waters to make that next step that is going to push you to 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 the next threshold I suppose I think you notice it when you like you stop asking your friends to come to shows and you just start promoting them and it's like oh there's a bunch of strangers here like that's the best feeling in the world like we didn't beg any of these people to come <laughs> I don't know you. That's great. It's awesome. And then, yeah, like, you just keep doing more things. Like, that's why you play the weird little shows is because you meet more people and they know someone at this label. And, like, that's how it all happens for us is, like, meeting people. Like, I've never I've never sent an email to anybody that I didn't know and they were like, yeah, we'd love to work with you. Like, you know, we're Epitaph and we want to work with you. Like, it just doesn't work. Like, you have to know people there you know yeah and that's the tough thing about the distance is like we don't get to the west coast that much so we know more people on the east coast and like it ends up working out that way and how are you about listening back to your very early stuff because as a music writer i'm sure you think that you've you've progressed as as a writer that you've got better Are are you quite comfortable listening back to kind of like i said rad ass uh, I mean, I'd love listening to that because, like, that was really fun to make. Like, we just made it ourselves, you know? Um, yeah, I think I'm fine with listening listening back. I don't really do it hmm. until later just because, like, when you make an album, it's, like, mixing forever and then mastering and everyone has notes. And I'm like, I've listened to this fucking album 400 times this week. Like, I'm not going to hear it again for three years. <laughs> So the 2016 self-title album was kind of the album that I think I over here anyway kind of put your band on the map of, of mm-hmm. oh we should check these guys out and it, the, like songs have kind of really kind of established I think for a lot of people of what what the band is about so um, mid 20 skateboarder let's order pizza asshole pandemic these these are fun songs these these are go out have a laugh songs the, the, like I, I I put you in the category, and I please I hope you don't find this um, offensive. But with 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 bands like a Teenage Bottle Rocket, like you, you can see they're having fun. Like it, it is it is about enjoying yourself. But I, I also think some people might see it as kind of a gimmick band. Right. Do do you do you see that? And 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 do you go well? No, fuck you. We are just having fun. Yeah. I mean. I, w- I wouldn't say there's anything that we've sung about that we didn't directly do. Mm. <laughs> um, I think it's more just acknowledging that, like, uh, like that's life. Like, it's, it is fun and stupid, and sometimes you shouldn't do it, and you do anyways, and, you know. I don't know. I just, it, it was easy to just 
sing about things that happened in this band, and that that was just like how we were living at the time. Optimum Lifestyle is released, a lot of buzz, a lot of people are talking about it, and then pandemic. And do you feel like the momentum of the band suffered because of that? Because there was a lot of people who were talking about that album. Yeah. I think we might get drowned out in a second by the band. Like, do you look back with resentment or do you go, actually, no, it allowed us to reset and move forward? Yeah, I mean, it came out in 2019. I think 2019 was the best year of my life. So I don't have any, like, it, it sucked how 2020 ended. Yeah. Um, but, like, we did uh, we did Seth Meyers. That was my childhood dream was to be in a band that played on late night TV. So we did that. We did Riot Fest. We did Electric Ballroom with the Hold Steady. We did, like, I think we were in Europe twice. I think we did the States twice, all of Canada. And I think when it ended was fine because that was kind of when we were going to end for a bit anyway yeah. like we were in europe in february 2020 and like covid was just becoming like oh something's happening like imminently yeah. and so we got home and then like a week later the world shut down and like we just got home from like a year of touring so we're not talking to each other for two months anyways and then that turned into like <laughs> however you know like a year two years and we're like we're still a band we should do something was there ever a point where you were like oh maybe we're not a band anymore because society's no. not allowing us to be a band well i mean you you make up those things because you want to be a downer but like we always <laughs> knew that we were fine like there was yeah. nothing wrong with us yeah it, i mean we i think the problem we had was we were too hopeful like we kept buying visas for the states and announcing tours and buying merch and then it's like no they're all canceled it's like fuck we just lost another like seven grand okay we won't do that again and then like <laughs> six months later it's like touring's back like let's do it I'm like yeah okay and then it would just happen again <laughs> when when the pandemic started so finished and and stopped i mean was there trepidation in the band about touring because i know so for instance um jeff rosenstock came over and the whole band got covid and he was literally mm -hmm. him on stage on his own with acoustic guitar yeah like coming overseas was was there a worry about that like booking? there there wasn't for us because everything booked up like way 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 in advance and we were not part of that yeah so we were waiting anyways like i get why your your jeff rosenstocks and your pups were here first is because they're bigger bands and they'll get here first um and we knew that we were not going to be that so <laughs> we were kind of like we, we're, we're waiting to see what happens anyway, so we might as well just kind of get a lay of the land. And by the time we are here, like, it's okay. 
we've moved down into the basement area because uh, the, the support, I think, are about to start up. Um, so, yeah, your last album, Open Bar, uh, relatively newish album. Um, you released that on, I'm going to get this right, Dine Alone. Yeah. And, and you've worked with some like great labels in, in your time. I mean, how important is it for you to find those labels? You were saying like you email and you, you seek out who's up for it. How important is it for you to actually find that right label that you trust and know will work with you? Um, yeah, because I mean, they all, they all kind of do their job differently. Hmm. And where, you know, it, it depends how much attention that they want to give us. It depends how much people there believe in the band and like how much they get it also like do the people we're working with get it or do they just know that some people do yeah so they can sell it to them so that's a big one like we have friends that are there so i mean usually we're just following our friends (laughs) like people people that are excited that's what i always think is like if someone's excited to have you then go there so i i think if we don't talk about beer uh, or pizza or skateboarding, people are going to get a bit fucked up on this. <laughs> so, uh, quick, like, quick questions, and we'll go from this. Um, so, craft beer, do you think it's gone too far? Yeah, big time. <laughs> What's wrong with it? Um, IPAs are gross. Yeah. Most of them. I don't know. Now I'm going to get in trouble. Probably people <laughs> have given us IPAs before. Uh, every drink has its place. I think if you're going to drink a lot of beer, then I want to drink the wateriest beer possible. Bit Bud Light. Yeah, I mean, maybe not that one. I like, uh, what do you guys have that I like? I don't know. I haven't been drinking a lot of beer on this tour because it's it's been more of a vodka and grapefruit juice tour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to keep those enzymes up. There Whoa. you go. Um, no, I think we'll be all right. Best movie you've seen in the past two years? Best movie? Um, I don't watch a lot of movies. I would say the Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Verse movie. Yeah. Uh, it's probably more than two it's years old. Definitely more than two years old. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch a lot of movies. Are you, are you just not a, a TV person, or is it just not movies? I have very weird TV things. I watch this show called Murdoch Mysteries. It's Canadian. Yeah. It's about a old-timey detective in the 1900s and basically uh, Canada rewrites all of history to be like super homery like everything was invented <laughs> by him in Toronto like everything they found the holy grail in Markham um, it's really a very funny show I was gonna say it's it funny right it's, not- it's funny yeah, yeah but like also like I'll be watching at like three in the morning so I can't sleep and they'll be like there was a murder at Queen and Broadview and I'll be like oh yeah like that's where I live <laughs> uh, Detroit style pizza the new king of pizzas uh, yeah but a lot of people get it wrong because we go to Detroit a lot and I will say that if there's any Detroit people listening uh, we're Jets guys and we've had Shields and we've had Buddies but it's Jets Jets BLT pizza is the best Detroit pizza We'll, we'll try. So last question. Yeah. Money and time isn't an issue, and you can call up anyone to go for a beer. Who are you calling up? I mean, cheesy answer, my grandfather. Yeah. Uh, but that is the answer. Why, why are you grandfather? Like stories, good stories? Uh, I just done, I've done all of the things I wanted to do. 
since he died, so I would just like to tell him about it. Oh, that's nice. Mike, thank you so much for having a chat with me, man. Thank you for having me. to Mike for taking the time to chat with me. If you want to know more about the Pew Pew Pews, you can find a link in the episode description of this podcast. Also, thank you to the Cardinal Birds for sponsoring this episode. If you if you don't know about this band, uh, go back and listen to uh, the episode where I spoke to them more at length regarding how a punk band in Ukraine is, is kind of existing while there is war raging in the country. You can go back and listen to my original chat with them by searching the podcast, I think it's called Ukraine Special. Uh, you, can, you can see it there, go listen to that, but also please go support the guys and pick up a digital copy of their new song, Free Loaded Guns. While I'm asking you to do things, please circulate this podcast with your pals. The word of mouth is still the best form of publicity. Right, that's it from me. If you're going to a show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up again. Until next time, love yourself. Bye-bye.